Wow, that's great singing this morning, amen? Man, that is like awesome stuff. Makes me want to get a tattoo and join the praise team. And, uh, <laughs> oh, that's great. Hey, today is um, Easter Sunday. We have one more series, one more teaching or sermon to go in our series, Unstoppable Jesus. Because I'm telling you, sin, death, hell, and the grave couldn't stop Jesus Christ. And, uh, and that's what we're celebrating here today. And then we're going to start a brand new sermon series on Mother's Day about the family. Go from Mother's Day to Father's Day. So, man, I am just glad that you're here and, uh, and glad to uh, have the opportunity to share with you. My name is Mike. For those of you who may not know, I'm the lead pastor here at Kirby. And we're just excited and thrilled to have you here with us today. Uh, today, I want to give a practical Easter message. A practical Easter Easter message. I heard about a little boy who had done something wrong and his mom had to punish him. So he was sent to his room and his mom was just very angry. And he could tell and not only did something wrong, but he hurt his mom's feelings. And so while he was being disciplined in his room and his mom, I guess, had stepped to the other part of the house or maybe outside, he snuck out of his solitary confinement and went into the kitchen. And he wrote, and how many of you remember the days... When we used to have notepads, how many of you remember the days when there was a cord on the telephone? Can I just, uh, can I just, how many of you still have a cord with a telephone in your house? You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is like, remember the days when there was this little chalkboard by the phone and you wrote the message there? I mean, for teenagers who are going here, you're going, what? I mean, this is before email and instant messaging. This is before uh, Facebook, MySpace, this is before tweeting and twitting and whatever you guys are doing now. I mean, this was like a real phone call, and they would write down something. So he snuck in out of solitary confinement, wrote on the board, Mommy, if you forgive me, please erase the chalkboard. And he snuck back to his room. Well, time passed by, and he was really kind of afraid to look at the chalkboard, because, dude, when Mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, Amen. I don't know what it was like when you were growing up, but when my mama wasn't happy and nobody was happy, and so he stuck out and just looked down the hallway, peeped around the corner, and he saw the whole chalkboard just erased clean. Matter of fact, not only was the chalkboard erased clean, how many of you remember, and I, I, I know we live in the world of dry erase and PowerPoint and all that stuff being thrown up on the screen, but how many of you remember, man, it was just like if you were good that day in school, for the last 15 minutes of, of school, you got to get out of schoolwork and wash the chalkboard, amen? How many remember those days? Yeah. Well, mom evidently had gotten a sponge, not only erased the chalkboard, but she took the sponge and wiped it so clean that there wasn't even a hint of residue of chalk on the board. Mom had completely forgiven the son. So today, I, I just want to, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I, I want, and, and by the way, a believer in Christ can be called a Christian, can be called a child of God, and I'll use that phrase a lot today, child of God, which is just another way of saying Christian. And we have, as believers, as children of God, as Christians, we got special privileges. That little boy got his mama's love and forgiveness. As Christians, we get special privileges. Now, it's Easter, and I'm telling you, I, I would love to preach an apologetic message. An apologetic message doesn't mean that we apologize for anything. Apologetics is a, is a theological discipline that stands in defense of the faith that we believe. 
And so I would love to talk to you about, you know, and I love these, you know, the lawyer in me just kicks in and wants to go at it, you know, and talk about things like, is Christianity sense or nonsense? Is Christianity built on irrefutable facts? How can we be sure that Jesus is risen from the dead? I love telling people that the tomb is empty, Christ is risen, and now we have power over death, hell, and the grave because we are children of the king. And man, I can get excited about that. Don't encourage me. I can also love to preach about theological messages of Easter. Theological messages is kind of those things that deal with kind of the deep spiritual truths of the word of God. And I like it, man. I get into it. Man, what was Jesus doing the three days that he was, that he was dead? I mean, you know, what? It, obviously he, his spirit wasn't dead. What happened? Where did he go? What was he doing? That kind of thing. I, I love issues of soteriology that deals with the issue of atonement with Christological implications that has eternal eschatological truths with that. And man, I can do that. And I love it. You don't know what I just said, but I'm telling you, it's true. But today I just kind of want to be practical. I just kind of want to share with you what, uh, what God's just simple truth, and it's going to be very practical about Easter. It's a chalkboard being erased kind of stuff. Last night my wife and my son and my daughter-in-law, uh, we went out to eat together, and then we went to my, my daughter-in-law, kind of hoodwinked us uh, into going to Kelwin's to get some ice cream. And we were in Plymouth, and I love the city, don't you? I mean, I, I just love being out and people. And last night, yesterday was just a fun day. Why didn't I mean, it was the first warm day we've had since October. And, and I mean, everybody was just out and glad to be out. And they were just milling and walking around. So we got some, some ice cream. And just because just you know, I mean, this is like very important to the message. Really, it's not. But I just want to tell you, I got Plymouth mud and New Orleans praline and cream. Now, if you go there, I'm telling you, that is a win-win combination right there. Put it in a waffle cone, walk slow through the city. My family was walking fast through the city. I was walking through, you know, slow through there. And I was walking through this little open door kind of cafe, and they had outdoor seating. There was a couple of guys sitting there. And have you ever been in a part of a conversation where you walk kind of 20 feet past it, and all of a sudden it clicked in what was said? And then you wheel around and kind of wish you were a part of that conversation. I had one of those things last night. My family was walking fast. I'm of age now. I've learned that I don't walk fast and lick ice cream at the same time. I take my time. I go slow. I'm good with that. And I heard one guy say to the other guy, he said, are you going to church tomorrow? And the other guy said, said that he was, and he mentioned the church that he was going to. And the first guy looked at him and said, oh, I forgot you were that. You should go to my church. At least when you go, they give you something. And I wheeled around and I thought, man, where's this guy's church? I want to go there, you know. I want to get something. So today I kind of want you to get something for being here today. I want to give you something practical so that at the end of the service when you go, so what, you'll know what the so what is for. And you'll know how to answer the question. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 20. The whole text isn't going to come up there. For the sake of time, I'm going to paraphrase and bring you up to speed on where it's at. The author of the book of John is John. I know that's deep. He is the apostle John, not John the Baptist. They're two different people. John was a man's man. I mean, he really was. He was a fisherman. He owned his own business along with his brother James. They fought all the time. Dude, I mean, they fought so much, their nicknames were the Sons of Thunder. They had short tempers and short fuses. And how would you like to work for a boss like that? I mean, he had boats. He had employees. He knew how to run a business. He knew what it meant to dealt with the elements. 
he, he knew about 401ks and all that kind of stuff. And one day, though, he had a business meeting with Jesus. And during that business meeting, our Lord and Savior did business in his life. And he called John away from that fishing business to become into the business of fishing for men. And so John followed Jesus for three and a half years, watched him crucify. He was the only disciple, only disciple represented at the cross when Jesus was crucified. And now he's buried. Mary Magdalene, who is a prostitute, goes to the tomb on the first day of the week. Now, don't miss the point that it was Mary Magdalene that went first. Mary Magdalene, the prostitute. Somehow, church has got the wrong rap. That church is all about white, middle-class, perfect people. It absolutely is not. God is a God for all people, irregardless of nationality, irregardless of your social economic background, irregardless of your character, race, creed, or color. Jesus Christ is a Savior for the entire world. Amen? And it was Mary that went first. It wasn't the disciples. They were cowering in the room. She had to go tell them. In fact, when she did, the Bible says that they ran, Peter and John, ran to the, to the temple. Or to the temple. To the, thanks. You guys want to preach this? Huh? I need a little help here this morning. So they went to the tomb. Peter started off with a flash. But he was a little out of shape and failed in the latter stages of this race to the tomb. John got there first. And that's where you pick up the text. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. This is John. And when he saw, by the way, Peter didn't go in. I'm sorry, John didn't go in. John looked. Peter went in. I wouldn't have have done none. I do not do graveyards. You know what I'm saying? But when he went in, he saw and he believed. Verse 9 says they couldn't quite put it all together theologically. It didn't all make sense yet, but they still believed. You know, I talk to a lot of people who say, Mike, you know, as soon as I understand all the Bible, I'm going to believe it. Are you crazy? You can study it for 50 years and never master it. It is that deep. It is that rich. And there's a lot of things we don't understand that we trust. Unless you're an engineer for Ford, Chrysler, or GM, you don't have any idea how a car works. Amen? Oh, come on. I am not the only klutz in here, people. We put the key in and it goes. Now you talk to it or just say, turn on, turn right. It's like the Batmobile. You just talk to it and it goes, you know? And you just, I don't understand how a plane flies. Do you? This thing that weighs multiple tons is... Carried into the sky by the force of the lift above the wings, not by the airfoil underneath it. Does that make sense to anybody? I'm just glad that when it's up, it don't come down until the pilot makes it do so. But we know people flying all over Easter holiday season. 
So you don't, you, you drove here today and you didn't know who made the car or you didn't know who made the brakes. You don't know who installed the, the hydraulic blanket system. You don't know about their educational dream nor the character of the people that installed it. You simply got in the car and when you put your foot on the brake, you expected it to start, stop the car because unless you're driving with a teenager, you expected it to stop the car and be because you got faith in people you don't know. Now we're asking you to have faith in somebody you do know or can know, and that's Jesus Christ. And so here's Jesus. The tomb is empty. It's incredible. Matter of fact, Romans chapter 1 gives us a theological kind of explanation of this of this event. If you have your Bibles, turn quickly just to Romans chapter 1. These verses won't come up on the screen. But Romans chapter 1, Paul gives a, an introduction. And then he tells everybody that he's a follower of the resurrected Lord. And he puts it this way. Because I'm telling you, what separates Christianity from all other world religions is, do you believe in the fact of Easter Sunday? Easter Sunday separates Christianity from every other world religion. Buddha is still in the grave. Confucius is still in his grave. Muhammad is still in his grave. Our Savior is not in his grave. He is risen just as he said. So now Paul says, Paul says this. He says, I'm an apostle, verse 1. Verse 2, he talks about Jesus and the Holy Spirit's regarding him as the Son of God and the human descendants of David, who through the Spirit, verse 4 of holiness, declared him with power to be the Son of God by, the resur- by his resurrection from the dead. You see, it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives us the power and the ability to be called the sons of God, the children of God. And if you're a child of God, you have special privileges. I like that word, declared. That the Bible declares him to be the son of God. Several years ago, about 10 now, my son and I, Benjamin, we went to Russia. And there when we went to Russia, uh, it was a great experience. A priest at a uh, missionary kind of uh, Christian education institute thing. It was really cool. And I bought this picture right here. Because I've actually stood. I met the local artist. His signature is on the back. and, and And I stood right there on that street. I've got a postcard that we usually keep. And if you've been in our home, when you open the very front door, this is what you see. I mean, it's just like right there on the red wall when you come in our door. And my wife knows this because this is like the greatest expression of love I've ever given to my wife because this thing was worse than carrying a baby around Moscow, you know? I mean, it was like I was afraid it was get messed up, it was going to get broke, it's going to get this, it's going to get that, the canvas was going to get torn. And, man, I protected that thing, and I had to get on subways and trolleys and buses. And, and if you don't know, I mean, Russia is just different, man. And, and nobody looks you in the eye, and they just bump in you, and everybody stands real close. And I'm trying to carry this big, you know, mule home thing with me. And it's just really a hard thing to do. And then several days later, we get to the airport with my artwork. Now, little did I know. That smuggling artwork out of Russia to sell on the black market is huge business in Russia. So they had a special room for people like me. They took my painting, they took my luggage, and then they took me. 
they took my luggage, and I mean they took out every piece of clothing. Now, if you've been through our TSA stuff, you know, and you go through, and, and people may pilfer in your you know, suitcase, and they do the wand thing. And I'm not talking about the wand and the pilfer. I'm saying they took every piece of article of clothing. And brothers, I mean every piece of clothing. Put it out there for everybody to see. And these Russians, as they would walk by me, would say something in Russia. Would laugh as they walked by. I would say, Dostadanya, which I think says help. Please? No, it actually means thank you. Please? And they would walk by. What I didn't know that they did with my painting was that they put it under some, a battery of tests. They put it under an ultraviolet vein and they, they did a little uh, testing on the corner where they would see if there was, uh, if this outer layer was just a covering for a, a masterpiece that might be underneath, and, and they checked the age of the paint. They did these, these battery of tests to see if this was an authentic masterpiece or if it was what I said it was, if it was what I declared it to be on my sheets that you have to fill out when you travel from, from country to country. So I declared that it was just, you know, I bought it from a local artist and paid so much for it. It sounds expensive in rubies, but it really is not in American dollars. And so I did all that kind of stuff, and it still got taken. And they came back after all of that, handed it back, made me repack my suitcase in front of people passing by. That's encouraging. And they basically said I was good to go. By that, they declared that my picture was what I said it was. Step back into John's chapter 20. The resurrection did not make Jesus Jesus. The resurrection did not make Jesus reincarnate to a higher level of spiritual a spiritual plane, and did not make him become an avatar, did not make him become a spiritual guide. The resurrection did not become, make him become anything that he already was not. The resurrection is God's open declaration to the world that Jesus is his son, that he is who he says he is, the Messiah of Israel, the Savior of the world, and the only one with power enough to break the chains of sin that bind us all. And if you have faith in him, you become his child because the resurrection declares that it is an undeniable truth because Jesus lives. So the Bible says that he is simply who he is declared to be in the power of his resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus didn't make him Jesus. Yesterday at our egg hunt, talking about how the resurrection just gives us power. And as God's children, we have special, special, you know, we, we just have some special just kind of blessings because we're God's children. One is power. The power of the resurrection becomes our power that we can live in daily life. There is power, great power to face the demands of life, the stress of life, the stuff of life that overcomes so many of us. The resurrection is God's declaration to his children that his power is stronger than any power or any problem or any issue we will face. And yes, God's children do receive special privileges because we are God's children. Amen? 
Now, it is all right to amen there. God's children know grace, amen? God's children know mercy, amen? God's children know forgiveness of sin. Those are things that people who do not know Christ as the Savior cannot experience on a profoundly deep theological level or practical spiritual level. You know, yesterday I was at our egg hunt here, and I had an opportunity to talk to a great family. And they were telling about their four-year-old little girl who has severe epileptic seizures, and I don't know very much about it, so I asked them just all kinds of questions, just I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation with them, and they explained a lot of kind of stuff, and I, I just noticed as they kept talking that there was no why me, Lord, in their conversation. There was no, there was no uh, problem with, you know, why is God doing this to me? There was no hint of self-pity. It was simply, God's always there to help us. God gives us the strength we need. I don't know how he does it, but God's always there for us. You know what that is? Those are power expressions. That God does give us his strength to face the challenges of life. That God does give us in a very practical way his ability to deal with issues in our lives. His ability to, and his power to deal with sin and addiction. His power to deal with, with the stuff of life. His, his, his power to deal with kids and, and the issues and the problems they bring in marriage and the, and the struggles that they bring. I'm telling you, God's power is real and it's there to help Every single one of us. And the good news is, is that it's real. I'll bet you on every other row in this church today, I could walk you and point you to somebody who has struggled with an addiction. Whether it's drugs, sex, alcohol, I don't know what the addiction is. But I bet you on every other row, I could take you to somebody who has struggled with an addiction. And I could point you to the fact that it is only by the power of God Almighty that they have been freed from those sins. And those addictions. I bet you I could go about every four rows and point to you that a, a, to a marriage that was at one time in trouble. They didn't know if they were going to make it. They didn't even know if they loved each other. They didn't even know if they loved themselves. And then through heeding God's word and some wise counsel and, and doing some things right and spiritual discipline and God's power coming into their home and into their life, I'm telling you, they had the ability through God's power, to change things around. And now they love each other. They love their kids. They even love the dog that's in the house. I'm telling you, God's power is real. God's power carries authority. God's power carries this explosive power to transform and change your life. Aren't you glad of that? You know, when we depend on organizations, we get what organizations can do. When we depend on education, we get what education to do. When we depend on man, we get what man can do. But when you and I depend on God's power, when you and I depend on the power of God, we start to get what only God can do. And thank God that as followers, because of faith in Christ, there is a power to deal with the unexpected of life, the disappointments in life, to make it through those tough decisions in life. And I'm telling you that Jesus Christ, the crucified, risen, declared Son of God, has power to help you whenever and however and whatever you're facing, but only God's children are, have access to that special kind of spiritual power. Matter of fact, the word is dynamite, dunamis in the Greek. Bruce Larson always points out 
that this power always brings us back to a person. Bruce Larson said this, he said, the events of Easter cannot be reduced to a creed or a philosophy. We're not asked to believe in a doctrine of the resurrection. We are asked to meet the person raised from the dead. In faith, we move from belief in a doctrine to knowledge of a person, Jesus Christ. The ultimate truth is a person. When we meet him, we know that he is alive and that his life has power to change our life. Hey, listen, the resurrection of Jesus Christ serves notice that my sins are so dreadful, that your sins are so dreadful, that we are so deeply flawed, that nothing short of God's only son could pay for those sins and break the power of sin that binds us and holds us and keeps us there. We played a game when I was in fifth and sixth grade. I, I can't tell you the name because it's not politically correct to say that name now. But the name was Pylon. Basically, we gave a kid a football. We gave him about a five-step start, and then the other 15 or 30 to 35, 5th and 6th grade boys would just run and just tackle the mess out of that kid. And then when that poor kid was down, we would all pile on. You know? Usually, we'd give it to a scrawny, slow kid. And we would flip in the ball and say, run. And if you were anything less than a man in fifth and sixth grade, right before you got hit, you tossed the ball. But if you were tough, you held on to that ball, people smacked you down, and then it was just this big dog pile, man. Everybody was piling on and 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 piling on, and then all the Prissy little kids at the end would jump on the top of the pile. You know what I mean? Play that game. I want you to picture Jesus on the cross. He dies for your sins. Not only your sins were piled on him, but the sins of your family, the sins of your spouse, the sins of your neighbors, the sins of your community, the sins of your region. The sins of your state, the sins of the nation, the sins of the world. Not only the sins of the current world, but past, present, and future. They were all piled on Jesus. And he was buried underneath all of that sin. The government put a stone in front of the tomb to keep Jesus in. The devil, if you could have seen what happened spiritually, the devil marshaled all the forces of evil around the tomb that day to keep Jesus in. And so you had all of the earthly, spiritual, evil powers trying to keep Jesus in. But I want to tell you that there is no power greater than Jesus Christ. And on that third day, I'm telling you, there was an eruption from out of the bottom of that pile. Becoming victorious over sin. And out of the bottom of that pile, becoming victorious over death. And out of the bottom of that pile, becoming victorious over Satan and all of his power and all of his forces and all that he could throw at you, rose Jesus Christ from the grave as our triumphant Savior and Lord, the declared holy and righteous Son of God. And he's there for us. And that power that he has. The Bible says, as his children, we have availability to it too. 
you know, my kids, I realized early on that I was the pastor. And so being the pastor's kids, they had special privileges that maybe some other children in the church didn't have. That's not fair, I know. That's just the way it is. Because they're my kids. When we built the gym and, and the building was done about four or five years ago now and we wanted to play a little midnight basketball, dad had the keys. They could barge into my office anytime they wanted to. I could throw them out anytime they wanted to, but they could come in anytime they wanted to. Because I was their dad. Being my children, they had special privileges. Bill Gates, if he has kids, I don't know if he does or not, but your children may have terrible computers. I guarantee you, Bill Gates, if he's got kids, they don't have bad computers at Bill's house. Matter of fact, at Bill's house, they got the best computers. I read an article about his house. His house will talk back to Bill. I don't know if I want to live in a assassin house. You know, you walk out of the house, shut the door, dummy. And I don't want that. Bill's kids have the best computers. Why? Because they're Bill's kids. It may not be fair, but his kids have special privileges. Did your kids go to the Super Bowl? Mine did. But don't you love it when, when after the Super Bowl, the, the victors stand on the field and they hold their kids up? Remember the, Jubilee, the Drew Brees picture a couple of years ago now? Or, yeah, when New Orleans won the, the Super Bowl and, oh, everybody was just, oh, that's great. Oh, that's awesome. And because kids, my kids don't get to run on the field of the Super Bowl. My kids are lucky if I let them watch it, you know? But if you're a Super Bowl player, then your kids get special privilege. You got the picture? You ever had a tour of the White House? When you tour the White House, they got these velvet ropes. And they're pretty. And these velvet ropes usually have men in black suits close by. And if the men, if the velvet ropes, the velvet red ropes don't tell you this, the men will tell you this. You are to stay on that side of the rope. But now Barack Obama's children can play Star Wars in the, in the Oval Office if they want to. Why? Because they're his children. They're the father is the president. Listen, I have power in my life. Why? Because I know who my heavenly father is. My father's the king. He's not some king of an earthly domain. He's the king of the universe. He's king of kings and he's lord of lords. He's the alpha and omega. He's the first and the last. He is the living, true witness who declares that his son Jesus is who he says he is. The Messiah of the Jews. The savior of the world. The atonement for our sins. The risen Lord and a soon coming king. My father says that Jesus Christ is the gift to humanity and all who place their confidence, faith, hope, and trust in them will never die but will live forever in eternity in this wonderful place called heaven. My father says that Jesus Christ is king of kings and he is only my father because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is my father who gave his son to die on a cross so that his son Jesus could pay for your sins that were all piled on them. And by defeating sin, death, hell, and the grave, took your hand, as sinful and dirty and wretched as it was, and put it in a pure, holy, clean, loving hand of God. 
so that you could have the privilege of being called his child. But you don't get the privilege to be called his child, nor the privileges of being a child of God until you know his son, Jesus Christ, through the power and the declaration of his resurrection. Hey, would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes for just a moment? So what? So what? That's the question, that's the issue, so what? What are you going to do with it? You got two choices. One, you can say, you know what? I may not understand everything about it, but I do believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I do believe he rose again from the grave. I do believe that it's time I give him my heart. And this morning, if you're not a Christian, the, the simplest way to become a Christian is right there where you're sitting, is to pray a very simple prayer of inviting Jesus into your heart. The prayer has a couple aspects to it. We want to tell God we're sorry for our sins. We want to invite him into our heart, and we just want to tell him that we're going to live for him the rest of our days. And, and if you don't know how to pray, and prayer is simply a personal conversation with a personal God, if you don't know how to pray, let me just say a prayer for you, and you repeat it in your heart. If you've never given Christ your heart, man, he is real. He is the declared son of God. He is risen. I'm telling you, Pilate could have stopped this whole thing of Christianity in its tracks if he would have gotten the dead, lifeless body of Jesus Christ and drug it down the streets of Jerusalem. But he did not because he could not, because Jesus is not dead anymore. He's alive and living forevermore. And so this morning, if you want Jesus Christ, this live and living Savior, to come into your heart so that you live for him right where you sit, would you pray this very simple prayer? Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I am the sinner you died for. Forgive me of my sins. I invite you into my heart because from this day forward, I want to be your child. And I want to live with you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Now, nobody's looking around, and I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Matter of fact, about the most I'll say is just thank you. But if you're here today and you prayed that prayer, I mean, right now you just asked Jesus to come into your heart. I believe in the power of prayer, another privilege for children of God. And man, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Matter of fact, the only thing I'll probably say is just thank you. And I wonder if there's anyone and nobody's looking around just but me. Did you pray that prayer right now? Would you trust me enough just to raise your hand and by that uplifted hand, thank you so much. Thank you. And you in the back, I see you. Man, God bless you. Thank you so much. And over here on this side, man, thank you so much. You just raise it and put it right back down. Just raise it. Anybody else before? decision you will ever make is the one that you just made that's where you gave Jesus Christ your heart I want to talk to a different group of folk maybe there's some of you here you started out walking with the Lord you knew what it was like to feel that power that I talked about you knew what it was to have that strength but somewhere somehow 
your relationship now with Jesus isn't what it used to be. Oh, you didn't take a big step away from God. None of us do. It's always those little steps and little steps and little steps. And then you wake up one day and you go, I just don't hear God's voice like I used to. And I wonder if you might be a believer here today, but your relationship with the Lord, man, is just not where it ought to be. This may be the first time you've been in a church house in a long time. And I'm so glad you came. Why don't you right now where you sit, just pray a very simple prayer. You just pray that God would forgive you of your sins. Renew a clean heart in you. And dedicate yourself to following the Lord. Father, I want to pray for those, and I believe it was six, this morning that raised their hands and gave their heart to you today. And I rejoice in that. I rejoice because, man, the power of Jesus Christ came in, broke the chains, gave them new life and new hope right now. So I thank you for that. And I'm going to pray for them if these days that they take as their a new relationship in Christ, they walk that and they own it, they're committed to it. just ask your blessings be upon them for those that maybe had started off in that relationship with Christ months or years or a long time back I prayed they prayed a prayer of repentance and recommitment to Jesus Christ now if you'll look this way we're going to say the final prayer in just a second if you gave your heart to Jesus Christ and prayed that prayer or if you prayed that prayer and that, that, yeah, I, get, I was a Christian and, and I, my relationship with the Lord isn't what it ought to be, would you grab one of the communication cards out of the pew or would you take the bulletin and there's a friendship communication card in that, would you just fill it out, check today that you gave Christ your heart or write it down, communicate with us and what we'll do is, is we've got some material on order and, and we'll get that to you maybe the end of this week or first of next week to help you grow in your faith. And it's, it's free. You're not going to be put on anybody else's mailing list. We'll put you on ours if you want to. Feet and, and nobody's going to be knocking at your door at 2 o'clock this afternoon. We'll probably email you uh, uh, just a note. Say thanks for coming if you were here. If you had an email, and maybe just a personal note later on just to help remind you that church is an important uh, spiritual exercise in your life and we want you to grow through the body of Christ coming together so that we can experience this power together and so I just fill that out right now and, and don't worry if you're the only one filling it out around you, lots of people fill them out, drop them in the offering plate and get it back to us and so our ushers are going to come forward and we're going to receive our Sunday morning tithes and offerings now while they come I want our home church to amen if what I'm about to say is a true statement Almost every Sunday, and I don't want you to think if this is the first time we're here, uh, because I say almost every Sunday at this point in the service, that if you're a first-time guest or if this is not your home church, in Kirby Church, you amen if I do this routinely, I will constantly say this part of the service, if you're a first-time guest or a visitor, or if this is not your home church, this part of the service is not for you. Amen? I say that all the time. 
So if you're a guest with us today, this is not our way to try to twist your arm, give a little money to the church. No, 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 no. This part of the service isn't for you. It's just a simple, convenient way to, to receive tithes and offerings from those who consider this their home church. We're just so glad you're here. Please do not feel bad if you're a guest, visitor with us, to just pass it on. Only thing I'd ask you to do is drop in that friendship communication card. And there's three things you can do with that friendship communication card. You can drop it in the offering plate. You can see me, and I usually hang around here after the service because it's just quieter to talk with folks and pray with folks than it is in our foyer. And then in our foyer, if you'll look up and to the right, there's a guest registration area. And you will see Todd and Becky DePolis, and they're going to wave their hands right there. They always love this part when I do this. But they're going to be there. And if you need, um, they got some um, information for you. It's always great to put a face with a name. You can give your card to them, and they've got some gifts for you. And for anybody, there's some literature there that helps you to understand from an apologetic basis and a theological basis, two different bases, about the reality and truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because I'm telling you what, if it's wrong there, it don't matter. Anything else in the book doesn't matter. But it does matter, and it is real, and we celebrate that. So are we good? Let's finish the prayer. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for each one who gave their heart and life to Jesus Christ. We rejoice, and we say amen and amen. You're an awesome God, and we praise your name because you are stronger, stronger than anything that we can ever imagine. Bless this offering the tithes and offerings of God's people. Use it to advance the cause of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And while they're taking the offering, today because we had two services, we, it, kind of what you saw today happens all the time. And we just went a little longer today because uh, um, just of an expanded little format. But next Sunday we wrap up our Gospel of John series. Then a brand new series starts Mother's Day about the family. And our families, and it's always fun to preach through family stuff. And so we'll start that on Mother's Day, go through Father's Day. If you have a child this past year and want to dedicate your child to the Lord and consecrate your family, you can sign up on the kiosk to the right as you exit. And, uh, and I think Wanda's going to be there. Or you can see Todd and Becky DePaulis out in the guest registration area, and they'll get the information. Or you can fill it out on the friendship communication card. Any of the ushers that are taking the offering will be glad to get it to where it needs to go. Also, next Sunday, we're having a party just for you. And, uh, and it, it is a landscaping party. Yes. Party favors are your shovels and wheelbarrows and rakes. And we're going to tidy up, weather permitting, and it's supposed to be ugly all week. But uh, we're going to try to tidy up the church grounds, get ready for spring and summer and that kind of thing. On Saturday. So, on Saturday. Yeah, thanks, tattoo guy. And, uh, and so Saturday. So if you got a couple hours to give, come on out. It's a good time fellowship. If you're new to Kirby, it's a good little event just to come to and get to know some other folks. And, uh, and I think it starts at 8.30. Everything else, you can read in the bulletin, jump on the website, kirbychurch.com, and that'll be sweet. I am glad that this morning I do not have to give you a self-help message. I'm glad that I don't preach as others do who have no hope. 
I'm glad this morning I have the privilege and the honor to preach to you a Jesus who loves you enough to die on the cross for your sins. is powerful enough that on the third day he rose triumphant over sin, death, hell, and the grave. And that no matter what you face, no matter the issues of your life, he is stronger. He is absolutely stronger than anything you will encounter. Our God is stronger. Amen. And so let's stand together. Don's going to lead us in one final little chorus. God bless you. Have a happy Easter. And we'll see you next Sunday morning. God bless you. So let your name be lifted higher.